welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, podcast aka bringing you Revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I am here to wish you a happy new year. I hope that you're having a good year so far. I'm, my year's looking pretty good. Here we are, two weeks into 2023, and I really hope that you guys, you guys out there are having a good year, uh, you know. Hope that uh, if you made any resolutions, that you can uh, keep with them. I know I'm not a big fan of them, but that's you know more of a personal preference. I tend to be typical like everyone else, make a resolution and then just completely forget about it or fall off it after a couple weeks. So I try to improve myself throughout the year, so there's a lot less pressure to do it at this one time at the beginning of the year. Not saying there isn't value in doing those. I just I, I'm not set up to make those happen. So, all is quiet as far as updates go. Uh, last episode we had our Christmas episode, but when I'm referring to last episode for this one, of course I'm talking about Isaiah 10. And in Isaiah 10, we were talking about how I. Israel was going to be punished by a kingdom called Assyria, or as we know, the kingdom of Assyria, and that Assyria was basically being the tool of God to met out this punishment that Israel deserved. And of course, this doesn't mean that what Assyria was doing was, you know, righteous or holy. Excuse me. It was not righteous or holy, but they are simply doing, carrying out the Lord's will as a useful tool. Uh, they don't see it that way. So when they're done doing what the Lord has, you know, brought upon Israel, then he will punish them himself in other ways. And uh, we do see that happen in history where Assyria takes control of Israel in this period. And then they slowly fall and crumble away as all empires ought to do. So terribly sorry about any of the yawning or anything that's getting through. Uh, I'm back to recording first thing in the morning, trying to get this all done right before it's supposed to release. You know, that's uh, I'm not a procrastinator at all. Anyways, we're going to be going over Isaiah 11 today. So going into this chapter, what we need to know. This passage refers to the future peaceful reign of the king from the line of David. So it's talking. We'll talk about Jesse and the line of David a lot this chapter today and going forward whenever we're talking about the Messiah that's a lot we refer to back to these these two uh, phrases quite often and then this is also talking about the recreation time when all is made perfect this is uh, very much a chapter about a vision that is showing us the future the future kingdom the future coming of Christ and well we call him Christ in this. It's talking about the shooter Jesse and or the root of Jesse and the Messiah is what it's talking about a lot today. So without further ado, let us get into scripture at Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. 
Sorry about that. Completely forgot to turn all the sound as a cat comes crashing into the room. Wow. I'm just... This is great podcasting, I'm sure. Continuing on at verse 3. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with his with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. The righteous will be his belt. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion, the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat stew like a Oh, excuse me, eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest, and they will neither harm nor destroy. On all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Now, several chapters in Isaiah refer a lot to this stump, which is the remnant of the line of David, which is exactly where the Messiah is to come from, as we know. Uh, This was written before the time that Jesus was to come, and so everything is very very much talking about a future tense. Oh, excuse me. How the Messiah will come out of the line of David or the stump of Jesse. And then this kingly line is all but wiped out over countless wars and times. Jerusalem has invaded and controlled by other nations like Assyria or Egypt or any other countless big bad nations around Israel that come in through the centuries and just take over the city, the city and the state. Um, But every time they somehow manage to survive, no matter how many of them are left or scattered to the different the different uh, countries all around the world. Whenever it's talking about the branch, it's referring directly about the Messiah, as we've heard in uh, later scripture in the newer the newer um, testament. We see that. He is referred to as a branch. Jesus is referred to as a branch. And this is the same language he's pulling from back here in the Old Testament, where it's referring to the Messiah as a branch that will come about and bring about the new kingdom. Verse 2 there describes the characteristics of an ideal ruler. You know, his judgment will be impartial and his power will be evident by his word, whereas some rulers, their power is evident by their authority or their actions, he will only have to speak. So it says, uh, here would the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And then these characteristics that would be very good for a wise leader, you know, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. This is definitely important to know, to be wise, uh, not to know everything, but to be wise of things around you and to know what you do not know for that matter. I think that's kind of what understanding means. We have the spirit of counsel and of might. So not only is he a a strong leader, he also seeks counsel from those around him. And the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And knowledge, of course, is just knowing things. And of course, as we know, Messiah is 
part of God, so he would know everything. And then fear of the Lord, which we've talked a little bit about fear of the Lord. Is this supposed to, are you supposed to tremble in your boots uh, in front of the Lord? I would hope so. If you're in front of the penultimate being of the universe, I think that would be absolutely frightening. But what fear of the Lord really means is, is a respect. Uh, you, you don't, you're not doing things out of fear. You're doing things out of respect for who he is. You know, this, this ultimate being of the universe, this being who created everything. I feel like if you're in the presence of, you should have the utmost respect for, and just by, you know, virtue of him being such a all powerful being, I think you should, it's quite right to be, uh, reverent about following his commands and I think this is where the fear of the Lord comes from. Like some people, it's, it's not to think of it as the axemen's or the axe over your neck or the, you know, your head going on the chopping block. If you don't do the right thing, it's more of out of respect for who God is, is why we do the things God asks us to do. Now we don't do them perfectly and we, we tend to mess those up quite a bit, but out of respect for who he is, we do our best to follow his rules. And then here we also have the first mentioning this belt of righteousness. This is the first mentioning of the armor of God. Now, Isaiah will go on to expound upon this in later chapters. We're looking at Isaiah 52 for more information on this. We'll get there eventually. But a lot of the mentioning in the Bible is about from the armor of God is talking as a new Testament. The new Testament is pulling heavily from Isaiah on this. So we are going to just start getting into the mentions of the, the armor of God. And this is very much imagery that when it's going over here, it's easy to come up with. If you've heard anything about the armor of God before, but we need to remember that this is would this would be the earliest in the entirety of the Bible that we talk, we start talking about this, uh, chronologically speaking, this is the earliest that we start talking about the armor of God. And it's actually being described as on the Messiah, or as we call him, Jesus himself. And then we have one of those wonderful scenes of negating the, the predatory nature of animals and creation where, uh, you know, we the lion, the lamb, the wolf and the lamb, uh, and then, you know, the child and the cobras and, uh, oh yeah, it's the bear and the cow. Uh, that's another one that's very interesting. But anyways, we have these very, uh, predator prey or, you know, kind of contentious relationships we see in nature are going to be completely erased. Uh, it even says that the lion will eat straw like an ox, which is interesting. I'm not exactly sure how that's all going to change in the afterlife. I mean, there's a lot of details on that. I'm sure not important to us, but this is, this is once again, describing that utopia where nothing bad will happen in a way that harms the creation. Everything will exist in its most perfect state and there will only be creation. There will not be destruction which is really hard to get our heads around. We are beings of destruction. We are beings of you know creation and destruction. We are in this constant cycle of creation and destruction around us because 
the creation that God made is constantly trying to create, but the sin that man brought is constantly kind, trying to destroy. So we we live in this this strange balance uh, in in our in our current existence that is. Uh, makes it really hard to get our heads around what just constant creation and constant, you know, goodness would be like just because, uh, we're so used to, to bad things, the destruction and all that. So it'll be interesting to see in the recreation, how that all works. And it refers to the Holy mountain, which of course, as we've talked before, whenever it's talking about a Holy mountain it's referring to Zion, which is the mountain of God, which as there is a real Mount Zion on earth, it's not always referring to that Mount Zion. It's referring to the mountain of God, like just the, the mountain that he exists upon, so to say. Continuing on in verse 10, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnants of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's journey, jealousy will vanish and Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile towards Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of the Philistia to the west together. They will plunder the people to the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea with scorching wind. He will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it up into seven streams so that anyone can cross over in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria, and as there was for Israel when they came up from Egypt. So once again, it managed, it meant to have, excuse me. Once again, it talks about the root of Jesse, and this is again referring to the Messiah, as we've talked about, which we know as Jesus Christ here. And there will be more to talk about the signals that the kingdom is coming in later chapters. Uh, as Isaiah goes over uh, a lot of points, more and more detail as the chapters go on. So as we get into those later chapters that are far weightier, this is just kind of an introductory to Isaiah. A lot of just going over things a few times, kind of getting everyone idea with or used to the idea of what Isaiah is really about. And then in later chapters, they get a lot more into the nitty gritty details of things that are happening. As we said today, we just, you know, mentioned the armor of God and many chapters later, we will actually talk about, you know, more description on the armor of God. So the Hebrew for glorious can mean earthly grandeur or spectacle. However, it's more likely referring to divine glory. Uh, I don't think it was in this English translation. It said glorious. Allow me to check. No, it does not say in this one glorious. Uh, strange. Sorry. It does say glorious. It's the very end of verse 10. 
and his resting place will be glorious. So that Hebrew word there, uh, in in the original language, could mean, you know, like earthly grandeur or things that are glorious that we see every day. But more than likely, especially in the context of this chapter, it is talking about the glory of the Lord, you know, that divine righteousness and glory. And then it talks a lot about how all throughout Assyria and Egypt and all these other countries, uh, Israel will be gathered from and brought back to Israel. This is kind of pointing out how all over the world, Israel has been spread out so thin because of all the constant, you know, invasions. And it seems like everyone wants to pick on the Jews sort of mentality. And we see that uh, they are sprung throughout the known world at the time, which would Egypt in Assyria at the time would have been the largest empires that uh, those these modern people would know. So, of course, they would reach the ends of the earth or the four quarters, as it is mentioned in the scripture. So it's kind of pointing out how even though Israel will be spread out throughout all the lands, they will be brought back when a signal is given. And then recreation will begin to happen. We see this in Revelation where all of Israel is being gathered back into into the country, into the land that was given to Israel itself. And then the events of Revelation kick off. That's when the uh, the preparation for the recreation starts to happen. And the signal that I keep talking about is a signal we'll talk more about as it comes up yet again. But the signal is for all the nations to start bringing back Israel, back to Israel. So it's not just for you know, it's not just a beacon for Israel to go, oh, look, we need to go home. It's also, oh, look, the Israelites need to go home. Uh, so all the nations are to help Israel return to itself. And then it talks about Ephraim and Ephraim and Judah. And this is the northern and southern tribe of Israel. And they are, uh, they've always had a contentious relationship, but in this section here is talking how they will be mended. They will be brought back together. They won't be jealous or angry towards one another in this way anymore. They will exist in harmony and in peace as this recreation begins to get kicked off. And then right here at the end, it's talking about a highway that will be paved for the remnant of the people to leave Assyria and it's talking about how Israel, when they left Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, God had paved a way for them to pass through the sea unheard, unhurt, un, unscathed. And so will they, when they pass through to Israel, back to to uh, Israel, they will their paths will be made for them. They will be laid for them. And they will journey just as easily as they had journeyed through the Red Sea. And that's kind of the end of Scripture today. It's kind of a smaller section. Not a whole lot more to talk about. I'm trying to think of a takeaway real quick. I think with all future kind of focused Scripture, we should uh, take it as this is a good way to think about our relationship with God and that 
no matter how bleak or dire our situation is, if we are trusting in God, then that means that we, no matter what, believe that he will bring about what's best for us and those around us, even if that doesn't seem like always the best for us or those around us, he is bringing about what is the best path from here to recreation that gets him as many souls saved as possible. The many weird ways that, as, as people said, the Lord works in mysterious ways and the many strange ways that he manages to bring people to him and affect people through others and help them come to Christ. And I, I hope, my hope of, of all hopes is that I am somehow helping people either walk with Christ or come closer to Christ or become more interested in Christ in recreation in the spiritual realm in general, because these are the things that uh, matter the most. We're talking about things that are realer than reality. And this is just something I feel called to do. And this is, this is why I do this podcast. And I hope, I hope you all listening have like it. I enjoy doing it. I am doing my best to learn more and more about how to do it. And I'm always looking to expand that knowledge. And I hope that you guys have a great year and uh, we will see you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch your podcast from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time.